Crisis exposes who we are. I'll say that again. Just let that kind of uh, filter into your heads. Crisis exposes who we are. Ex- exposes the best of who we are and the worst of who we are. 1996 was a particularly bad winter uh, for those that were trying to summit Everest. Uh, those of you who know me, I, I like the mountains. I'm very, very interested in them. And in 96, there were particularly bad storms for those uh, individuals who had the incredible opportunity of summiting the highest point of Earth, Mount Everest. And uh, there was a particularly bad storm. There were a number of climbers got caught out on their summit push, that last little bit uh, from the South Pole up to the summit. Three Indian climbers were caught out and uh, there was no way of getting down. And so they faced the awful um, prospect of spending the whole night exposed on the face of the mountain uh, with no protection, no tent, no sleeping bag, nothing, just to try and survive through the night. The next morning, going up to the summit in much more favorable conditions were two Japanese climbers. They were making their way and they came across the three Indian climbers who were nearly dead, but were still at this point alive. The Japanese climbers offered no assistance, no food, no water, no warmth, no oxygen. They made their way to the summit. They made the summit. They turned. They got themselves back, stepping over the bodies of the three Indian climbers, leaving them to their certain death. Crisis exposes who we are, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. I love the, the military programs that we see on TV. Some of you will really connect with this. Some of you will probably tune out right now and thinking of homemaking programs instead. Now, that's a real generalization. Sorry, not in the notes. But the SAS program, he, uh, Who Dares Wins, and you might have seen it or you might have come across it. Sometimes they have celebrities. Sometimes they have poor old souls that think it was a good idea to sign up and actually do it. I was one of them that actually looked at it, but I realized, thankfully, I was too old to, uh, to actually apply. But if you've never seen them, they take these individuals, they're ex-SAS soldiers, and they really put people through it. They really make things difficult. They put them on really difficult exercise programs. They uh, take them out into the wild. They uh, they don't let them sleep much. They do feed them, which is good, but they expose them to all kinds of challenges, uh, giving them great hardship and suffering. They certainly remove them from the comfort culture. Why do they do this? They're breaking themselves down because they want to see what lies within. Crisis exposes who we are. This program, the reason people are put through military service, is to expose who they really are. Do you remember how we reacted in the first bit of lockdown? You know, when we first went, Boris came on the TV, and to be fair, I thought it was a pretty good rallying speech, to be honest, but that's, that's just that. Do you remember what we did? There was that initial shock, wasn't there, of, oh my goodness, we have never had to uh, live like this before. But it was incredible how many people responded. There were no uh, end to offers of help. 
of service. People were willing to go to Tesco's and do shopping for their neighbours. People were willing to go and collect the prescription and drop it around. People uh, began to just do anything and everything that they could because it was their response to this terrible, terrible thing. It's like, if we can help, we will. We, uh, like many of you, we formed a WhatsApp group for our street. And it was so, so encouraging. It began really, really encouraging with really positive messages of we're going to get through this together. We're going to have street parties afterwards. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. And do you know what? It was really, really brilliant. Through the crisis, the good in us surfaced. And it was just wonderful to see and to hear how people were responding to this real, real difficult thing. Endless support uh, for the vulnerable. Uh, we clapped for the NHS on a weekly basis. That was one of the highlights of the week because there weren't anything that happened during the week. It was pretty mundane. Was it a Tuesday or a Wednesday? I couldn't remember. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, we donated to Captain Tom and we uh, ourselves, we raised millions. It was just through adversity, through crisis, Good, really exposed to the surface. But sadly, it didn't last. As time went on, one lockdown to another, other things began to surface. COVID not only made us isolated and fearful, but it created incredible division. Many of us became experts thinking that we knew best. Many of us offering our opinions. Was it to be masks or no masks? Should we isolate or should we gather? Restrictions or freedom? It's only a cold. Actually, it's a deadly king, killer. All of these different opinions. And actually, uh, as time wore on, uh, we became more and more nervous, more and more uptight, more and more isolated and fearful. And... Sometimes, not in all of us, these are generalizations, right? But through crisis, what was in began to come out. Another story from the scriptures. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that, Nazar that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entrance. Through crisis, when push came to shove, even though Peter had said to Jesus, I will go with you to death, when push came to shove, when the, when the opportune moment to do the right thing came, he bottled it, he lied, and he denied ever knowing who Jesus was. Crisis when, when pressure comes across us, exposes who we are on the inside. Folks, we continue our series on resilience as we come out of the shadows of uh, the coronavirus, as we acknowledge what happened so that we can move forwards, as we can uh, bounce forwards, as it were, that, uh, that our event on the 20th of November is going to be about. Remember, uh, a little recap over the number of weeks that resilience is not just simply sucking it up and keep going. Neither are we encouraging all manners of endless pleasure or pursuits to quench the need for life to be good again. 
We have acknowledged that, yes, we do live in a comfort culture. We have seen that we want security, but that God provides more than we need. And we have stated so far in these weeks that resilience is something we receive. It's something that's imparted to us and from him. So this week we want to pay attention to something that's really, really significant. And it's so significant because if we don't pay attention to it, when crisis occurs, it has the ability to completely derail us and take us completely out the game. So buckle up, we look at something, uh, the shadow side, uh, often caused by a wound. We're going to look at the closed box that is within us. We're going to look at the part of the iceberg that lies beneath the surface of the water, the bit that we don't see, but we see through our actions and the way in which we live. Or as John Eldridge has uh, calls it, we're going to be talking this morning about our unconverted places, the places that yet are, uh, that we have fully surrendered and given to Jesus. Some of you will know this um, when I became a Christian, uh, I was a little bit overwhelmed. Like at first, it was the most unbelievable thing. I, I, had, I had prayed a prayer and I had, I had decided at that moment, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm choosing to do that. I'm surrendering my life to you. And a lot of people got really excited about that, which was really nice. Um, but, but I kind of felt this pressure, not from people. I think it was more from within of suddenly I had to be the super duper person. Like I, I shouldn't have that problem, or I shouldn't speak like that, or I shouldn't think like that, or I shouldn't behave like that. And suddenly it was just this pressure from within of, I need, I need oh, I'm a Christian now. I need, they, they do certain things certain ways, and they, and they don't do certain things, and I should really be that sort of person. And I remember a prison chaplain saying to me, I wasn't in prison, by the way. Um, my dad knew him, and he wasn't in prison either. Um, and I, I remember him drawing alongside me, and I, I was really honest with him. And he just said, Paul, I say to the fellas in prison, those that give their lives to Jesus, just give him 5%. Just give him, just give him enough for today. Just surrender that bit. And with time, as you begin to follow him, as you uh, build relationship with him, you'll, you'll find, uh, as you encounter his goodness and his graciousness, that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, that you will begin to surrender other pockets, other parts of your life, other rooms that you've kept kind of secret, that you've kept under a lock and key, and you'll begin to open those up and expose those to him and invite Jesus to take control of that bit of your life as well. If you've been around church or Christendom for some time, you will have heard these phrases, justification and sanctification. And just briefly what they mean, justification simply means when we give our yes to Jesus through his death and through his resurrection and through belief and relationship with him, we are justified, meaning on the cross, two of the, the other criminals, they're having this chat and argument really and, and, and one of them literally hanging there beside Jesus as well uh, gives his life really, his surrender to Jesus and at that moment he is justified 
and the box is ticked and his name is written in heaven for all eternity. That is justified, even though we don't deserve it, even though our sins have, have created this barrier between us and God because of Jesus, we are justified. But the word sanctification really means that we are becoming whole, becoming more like him. And that takes a lifetime of following Jesus. That takes a lifetime and comes as a result of following him, of hearing his voice, obeying his voice, abiding in the vine, surrendering our will and inviting the healer to heal us and set us free. The goal is that God himself, the God of peace, would sanctify you through and through and may your whole spirit, soul and body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's desire, that we would be sanctified, that through the rest of our lifetime, for those of us, we are giving over, we are surrendering, we are sacrificing, and we're inviting Jesus, come, and not only just take up that 5%, but I give you another bit. I trust you with more. I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about giving of, of our, our whole being, our whole control that we allow him to drive us. We realize, don't we, those of us who've been Christians for any time, that there are times when we just get stuck. And we feel like we've journeyed and God's come in and we've been set free of this and set free of that. But over years, we're like, but I still struggle with that. Those emotions just seem to surface again. I keep behaving in that way and, and then I have to go and confess and say, I'm so sorry, I messed up again. That attitude uh, towards those people, I just seem to have them still. And, and whilst there's aspects of our life that are fully surrendered and Christ-like, we know deep down in our beings there's more. There's more. And we just, we, 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 we feel sometimes just helpless that, oh, I've gone back there again. And I just I can't seem to break out of this. Paul knew this. And in writing to the people of Rome, um, Romans chapter 7 writes some wonderful verses which I find very comforting. They read like this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This, I just keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. Sometimes when we go back or we mess up again or we act, we behave in a certain way, when we come to these verses, they're comforting. But we don't want to stay there. Come as you are. 
and don't stay as you are. The SAS program I was speaking about earlier, there's a bit of it that I really like, and uh, you, you, if you've seen it, you probably really, some of you will really dislike. When, when a certain behavior is exposed, you know, they're climbing up a mountain and one of them gets all stroppy and whatever, and in the instructor's briefing, they realize we want to call number seven, because number seven, he, 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 there's something about him today, just, wow, let's bring in number seven. And so they call seven, <laughs> and, uh, and he's gotten from, uh, from where they're sleeping, and he's brought into the room, and, uh, and he's exposed to the, usually two of the instructors, and they have this conversation, and it's a little bit, it's kind of set up like an, uh, for TV, I think, in terms of this interrogation. But actually, it's not that at all. It's nearly like a confession. It's like a face-to-face -face confession. And they say, this is what we saw in you today. Do you remember that time you were going up the mountain and this happened and you behaved? What was all that about? And they say, well, and they begin, like on TV, it just cracks me up. Why, you know, why they do on TV, they begin to unpack usually something of their story, usually something that caused them incredible pain, some kind of wound that was in them, which they have been able to recognize now manifests itself in behavior. And I don't always like the way that the guards handle, or the instructors handle it, it's kind of a bit like, that's, that bit's not so good. But the very fact that they're prepared to expose what lies beneath the shadow side, I think is incredibly liberating and helpful for the person. The sin that's within us, the unsanctified places in us, the unconverted places within us. And it's often our wounds, it's often our pain that just manifests itself in behavior. Often, some of that behavior can lead us to doing all kinds of dark things that we would majorly regret. But for others, it's much more subtle than that. But still, nonetheless, comes out and has the ability to derail us. If you've been around us as a church for any time, you'll know that often we, we like to sort of share and talk about this kind of stuff. And if you're new to us, uh, that's, that's just a, a hallmark of who we are. We want ourselves to be emotionally healthy, that we grow up, that we create space in these moments, but in our groups and in our one-to-one -one conversations, that we do life together, but that we do it in the presence of Jesus. Chantel showed me this thing, and I want to read some words. Uh, it was a post on, was it Facebook? Instagram. Um, and uh, so try and tune in. I know sometimes when I'm listening, I'm not a great auditory learner. I just switch off. But try and tune into this. It's really, really good and really helpful. This guy, I'm going to quote him, Mike Foster, 2000. Is that his wee name thing? I'm your man, kids. <laughs> Unresolved childhood trauma creates grown-ups who feel like scared kids on the inside. 
Though we may occupy an adult body, when triggered, we return to that wounded child place inside ourselves. When we're stressful or fearful, we often resort back to our childhood survival instincts. With a current, right now current, lack of safety in the world, many of us have been forced into a situation that will uncover unhealed pieces of our story. The pressure pushes on our coping mechanisms to the point where they begin to fail. When these adult coping mechanisms fail to soothe us, we often revert back to our basic survival patterns. We protect ourselves by returning to the patterns that protected us in the past. Especially as kids, when triggered, we immediately leave our adult selves and start living from the wounded child point of view. For example, a healthy adult would express his or her emotions when stressed or afraid, but a wounded child will often shut down believing their emotions aren't important. A healthy adult would feel empowered to influence their futures even in a crisis. A wounded child would feel trapped and powerless when things become chaotic for a healthy adult. They will look to find productive ways to bring more order without trying to control. But a wounded child will act out and be overly dramatic hoping someone will notice their pain. My guess is that a lot of us are seeing the wounded child inside of us these days. The unhealed trauma is bubbling over and the coping mechanisms that worked so well in the past are no longer working now. Let me encourage you to have compassion for the wounded child inside of you. Notice how you react to stress, fear and massive changes. Is it your healthy adult responding? Or is it your past trauma calling the shots? Think about how you are showing up in your romantic relationships. Consider how you're interacting with your friends and co-workers. Analyse your current self-talk and what your internal narratives are. If you find yourself reacting in incongruent ways to your values, if your triggered responses are surprising you, and if you sense your choices feel more childlike than adult-like, it's probably the unhealed parts of your story taking control. Wow, that's so helpful. That's so, so helpful. One of our young people uh, recently shared a story with me. Something had happened to them recently, and they were deeply hurt by somebody else. And naturally, I, I counseled them in a way of listening and being empathetic and understanding. And then my counsel to them were two things. Firstly, it's okay to be angry about what's happened. But in your anger, do not sin. Don't act out of that anger through all kinds of crazy stuff. But it's okay and you should naturally feel that emotion of anger because of what happened. But secondly... My counsel to this young person was, at some point, you need to forgive that person. Because if you don't forgive that person, it is just going to pop up in your life some other time. It's going to manifest itself. The wound left unhealed will manifest itself in behavior again. Because that's just what happens. That's how it happens. 
And so at some point, somehow, you're going to need to forgive that person for what they did. Um, is Tom here? Is Tom here? Tom, would you mind sort of nipping out? Just tell the guys in the two rooms we're going to be 10 minutes max. I just um, We're beginning to get close to running out of time. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. Folks, many of us have revisited our past. And it's just incredible. Oh my goodness. We love journeying together. I've loved seeing just freedom come to our lives. It's something I've experienced a lot, having to go back there. And I've had to go back there a few times. And I'm still... Many of you know me, I'm not the finished article. It's important that we go there. But it takes courage. Guys, it takes courage. And it takes others around us. It takes others around us to, uh, to do that. It takes a sense of trust as well. Sometimes it will require the skill of a counsellor. But often just sharing life with someone that you know and love and trust and then inviting the Spirit of God to come to bind up the broken heart, to heal the wound that is so needed. My experience of this sort of stuff when coming to land is that it's usually little choices that lead to transformation. Sometimes there are incredible moments, incredible breakthroughs. You might, uh, you might be receiving prayer. God might just do the most incredible thing. And that, that is amazing. But it's usually the little things along the journey, the right choices, the right moments, a long time, that you're then able to look back and go, my goodness. Conversely, it's usually the wrong little choices that go down a different path that leads us to making some crazy, stupid decision. None of us decide one day we're going to go out and do something really daft, but it's usually little choices along that path that leads us to making that kind of a decision. Being sanctified is a daily walk with Jesus. Being sanctified is a daily commitment to surrendering and saying, not my will, but your will be done in me. Sanctification comes by putting one step in front of the other in the right direction, alongside the right person of Jesus in our lives. Our life group on Monday night, we're talking about the kingdom. We're talking about kingdom theology, the now and the not yet. We shared how Jesus loved to talk about the kingdom, but he used to uh, demonstrate the kingdom through signs and wonders. And Jesus in his teaching, his words on the kingdom, used these words. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. Yeast is small. You put it into a batch of dough and you mix it 
that has the most incredible power to spread right the way through that bit of dough, to raise it to the surface. The kingdom is like yeast, small amounts in, has the ability to transform and bring about the kingdom of heaven to earth in and through our lives. Last thing I want to encourage you is this. Uh, One of the things that I have been practicing over the last number of weeks is this free app. And it's, uh, uh, I'd encourage you to download it and practice it. Those of you uh, have used the Lectio 365 app, uh, it's similar, but really specific uh, towards daily surrender, daily walk with Jesus. There's, a, there's a, roughly a 10-minute one to do in the morning and an 8-minute one to do in the evening. And uh, if you forget, you can just do one a morning. I sometimes cheat and do the evening in the morning, even though it's topsy-turvy. It is brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. And I have found it, I am finding it, to be really transformative of my own broken soul. And I would encourage you, please download it, one minute pause. Uh, It kind of dovetails a wee bit with the book that I've been reading, that we've been teaching from. I would encourage you, please, uh, to have a go at doing that. That's a really helpful practice for you.